Hi, I'm Dr. Raz and I'm keeping it real. My team with me today will be Victoria, Alicia, Vita and Mia. This is season one, episode two, self-care. We are going to keep it real. We are going to let the thoughts flow, let the emotions be owned and we keep it true. So stay with us as we move through our second episode of keeping it real with focus on self-care. We go back to this this talk about self-care and the many different forms it comes in and what we individually do and what we have challenges around. Who would like to, to share your experience with that and what that is like for you? I think self-care is, a, is a, an interesting thing, um, especially when we're younger. I think as, as we get a little bit more mature, we realize it's vital to our existence. I think, um, you know, in my 20s, 30s, that wasn't even, it's not even on the radar because you're busy giving and you're not thinking about yourself. You're, it, it's just not on one's radar. For me, it happened in my 40s that, you know, looking after my parents and now I don't have children, but I had my own business. So I was overwhelmed even just with, with all of, of trying to run everything efficiently and effectively and never taking time for myself thinking uh, I just had to get up earlier and have more, uh, more time available during the day, less sleep, and try and get more done was was it. And then I think in my 50s, I realized that I'm not good to anybody right now. I'm just, everything is just falling apart. And so self-care was uh, really on my radar. And I'm a big believer in what you're looking for is looking for you. And I was looking for help. And so when I would hear Oprah or somebody say, you know, you come first or you have to put yourself on the list, I think was the first time I heard that. And it resonated that, oh, there's a list and 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 <laughs> I can go on that list. <laughs> and and then putting yourself as priority was a game changer for me. And at first, it's very awkward to think, you know, it, it's all part of the, the growing, growing up process. It's, it's awkward to think that uh, you can be selfish enough to think that you matter enough to put yourself on that list. And, and now it's becoming uh, critical for my, for my well-being, for my relationships with others. It's I, I now get more sleep. I take time for myself. And if I don't, I'm not a happy camper. And if I'm not a happy camper, my, my husband or the people around me are going to feel that the, the, that I'm suffering. So I think it's the best thing you can do for someone. But, and, and I think the earlier that we start to, to tell, you know, I call them youngins or the, the younger, the women behind, in, behind us, this is part of, of self-love and self-care. They go hand in hand. And the earlier you have yourself on that list, the better everyone is going to be. And it gets passed down. So I think it's really important. It's, it's very important is, is where I was coming from. Yeah. And I think what I, I heard from that is how easy it is for us to be seen as very selfish 
when we mm-hmm. try to self-care. Mm-hmm. Because so many of us, all women, almost all women that I know and the studies have shown that somehow we think and feel that it's our responsibility to take care of everyone else and we lose ourselves in the process. Right. And come 40 and 50 and then we begin to resent you know, resent others, not consciously knowing that we're doing that, but resenting others because we have invested in everyone else and we lost ourselves and we are really unhappy. And you made a point about your relationship that if you are not caring for you and if you are not taking care of you, it's going to have an effect to everyone around you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes so unconscious. We're Mm -hmm. not even aware that we are frustrated or irritated or or, you know, or fed up or resentful, and we played out in unconscious ways. Um, Tori, jump in there, tell us what your thoughts are about the issue of self care and the challenges that come with that. As a businesswoman, as a, as a, a woman with a partner and a family, and a woman who's involved in community. Yeah, I, in listening to Vita, I'm like nodding my head and it's yes, yes, and you know. And when I hear, I am a little, like you said, I think you said feisty or spicy or spicy. I am. And I'm trying not to be so feisty right now because I get so upset when women want to look after themselves to be accusing them of being selfish. Like, ah, it just sends me, it just makes me so angry. You know, we raise young females that way to nurture and look after that's the woman thing. Right. And we fall into that role quite nicely. We're socialized to be that way. And I feel very fortunate for whatever reason. I was the last born in the baby, but I was like kind of like the wild one. And I was always um, looked after myself, but I also looked after others. But I tried to maintain that balance. And that's the other end of the spectrum for me is when you do look after yourself, and I know, Roz, you are very similar to this. You've told me so many circumstances where you said no to something, and I'm going to do this, and I'm like, wow, good for her. I'm the same way, but I rarely meet women like that, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. on the other end of this spectrum, for me personally, I've been criticized, not in an open way, because I'm so outspoken, maybe I, I can be a little intimidating, so they don't want to openly criticize me for taking care of myself, making myself a priority. Because if I'm okay, my husband's going to be okay, my kid's going to be okay, and the new puppy we just got, what was I thinking, is going to be okay. So anybody wants a dog, it's free to good home. Just kidding. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting, you know, having worked with women for so long, women who are you know, abused and such low self-esteem and little to no self-worth and trying to build them up and support them. And then here we are so many years later, still having the same conversation or you see things on TV. Let me give an example. You should never have invited me to speak, Ross. I won't hog the whole time. Watching the- Don't worry, I can manage you. Yes, I know you can. You got the reins (laughs) on me. Watching the Olympics, right? Which I'm uh, totally obsessed about have been since 1976 with Nadia Komenit. Anyways, with some of the, like the outfits that the beach volleyballers are wearing and their arses are hanging out and the divers, and this is a required uniform. And and there was a team that got fined because they wanted to 
use a, like a full-length leotard. They want to be covered like the men and they were fine. You know, this is a standard in 2021 with these strong, powerful role model women from every country around the world. And yet the expectation is, is to still look pretty, look sexy. Years ago when I watched the Olympics, you never seen athletes with their nails done, lipstick, makeup, hair done. They're sweating for God's sakes. They're doing judo on the mat. The hair is all pulled out. The makeup's running. And because there's, there's so much pressure on women to look attractive and be an Olympic athlete. And if you happen to be a mom and there's moms there, yep. right? I, it's just the standard we set and we just fall into that and criticize when we do look after ourselves. It's monumental to make that change. And it takes generations, sadly, in the same way when we're talking about racism, it takes generations to change attitudes and behaviors and but you know we're in that process. And yes, and I think we as leaders in that process, we have to really stick with what we believe in, regardless of how we are criticized or or talked about or judged. Because yes. us who are trying to make change, women like us who are big on self care, we are often seen as conceited, full yes. of narcissistic, self yes. all the negative all the negative descriptions that come with that. And yeah. those like descriptions can easily set us back to change and fall back in the norms. But we have to stay strong and grounded and we have to keep doing what we believe in. And we don't have to follow the norm. <laughs> you know, that's right. who we want to be, when we want to be, and how we want to be. And that's all good. So I'll throw it at you, Alicia, to see what you bring to the conversation around self-care, how you are looking at it, how you are taking care of yourself, and some of the challenges. You are a Caribbean woman. You have always been a Caribbean woman. You born and grew up in the Caribbean. You have never stepped on this side. Mm. Now we on this side, we are, you can find a bunch of radicals out here. <laughs> our own thing. <laughs> we set our own rules. Once it's legal and we believe that it's right for change. You have so many challenges and obstacles on your side. And you share those thoughts. So since we started this conversation on self-care, um, I have been spending a lot of time trying to uh, dissect what self-care is for me and the persons around me, the women around me. And I realized it has gotten me even to the point of feeling a little emotional because it is so, it is so scary. Probably that, I'm not sure if that is the word. It's so scary to think that actually taking care of yourself could be this difficult um, in this time. And I started to do stuff for myself, not just, of course, physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I recognize that self-care takes time. It takes a lot of time. And the more that you go into self-care is the deeper and deeper you go into it, you realize how much more needs to be done. And I started to ask myself, what have I been doing all along? What have I been doing? I, 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 I am in a mess, <laughs> you know? And then I started to think of the woman around me who can't afford to do the things that I am doing, which is simple. And of course, being in the Caribbean here is going to be like, you just do that, that, what? 
yeah, it's almost unheard of talking about self-care. What is that? And they tend to think or feel that that's a Western thing. That's, and I would hear that. I would hear, you know, Dr. Rose, you living in Canada, and that's a Canadian thing. But it's really not a Canadian thing. It's a global issue. And, it, and it's an issue for all women, wherever we are. Because so many of us think or feel, and we really do, by the mere fact that we are women, that our job is to take care of the husband, the children, the dogs, the cat, the, the aging parents, the, the neighbors, the community, and in doing that, we get burnt out, we get tired, we get fed up, we get angry, we get resentful, we get frustrated, we get, and there's no positive emotion added in what I just said. Right. <laughs> that we get all the negative emotions. And with those negative emotions, which are in our bodies, and it's manifested in our bodies, we end up with all the woman's stuff. We did breast cancer, the, the, you know, the, the, the fibroids, the menstrual cramps, the cervical cancer. It plays itself in our bodies. Is this that, that's how it manifests itself. But we don't make those connections. Mm. We tend to, you know, do the medical thing and, you know, and it's, you know, but we don't make the connections that we really feel all these negative emotions and why. And I know that I heard Vita say something around when she turned 40 and when she turned 50. We, sometimes we wait way too late. Yeah. And this is why it's our conversation and part of what we do to really get that message across to the young ones, to the 30-year-olds, to the 40-year-olds, you know, and to the 50-year-olds, because mm -hmm. we all have a responsibility to self-care. I think it's learned. I mean, I saw my mother sacrifice. I, I thought that's what you do. That is the closest image and role model I had. Mm -hmm. So she was my template growing up. What she did, I thought was what you do. And it was, and it took years and years to question, oh, I don't want that. Or why would she stay in an abusive relationship? That was not even a question. It's what you did. And then I saw the neighbors around me, all the other mothers hung around with either alcoholics or, or whatever. It was never questioned that a woman would leave in the 50s or 60s to go out on their own. In my circle neighborhood, that was a common thread. And it took years to figure out, oh, you have a choice? And... Mm -hmm. That's powerful. And, and I think it's by leading by example. That is why, you know, I wanted to do this. I think if, if, if one person hears this conversation and has a positive uh, igniting that, hey, I, I have a choice, job well done, you know, because then that, that will have a ripple effect. I think that that's the, the whole purpose why we, we stand up and say, Okay, you have a choice. If, if you had a role model that probably wasn't uh, for the better, mm. you can find another role model. It's not mm. forever. You know, find one that speaks to you. I mean, Roz, in the short time I've met you, uh, I, I find I'm reciting some of the words that you say. So we, we all have a positive impact on each other. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's... And it's important that we walk the walk, not just yeah. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. was marvelous. And often I say to people, even my family and the people close to me, I, don't, I no longer feel the need to push and to force people to do what is right. I just live it. That's and right. I say to my loved ones, I said, I just model it. It's up to you now. You're 40 years old. You're 60 years old. It's up to you if you want to follow the lead. Mm -hmm. But, and, and I think it's important that I say this because we see when women like us with an understanding, when we force things on people, they push back. Yeah. They push back. You force proper way of eating, then they decide to do all the junk food. <laughs> you yeah. know, force, why not take a little walk in the morning? You know, a woman is telling me about which it is that COVID, she's trapped inside in front of a computer all day. Now, the woman is an, an obese woman, very obese. Now, her call to me was, Dr. Rose, can you give me a quick fix? I need to lose all this weight. And I'm listening to her. And I'm thinking like, okay, what would you like me to do? Which is the common calls I get all the time. Fix this for me. And it's weight loss and stuff. So I said to her, I said, um, she said she's in front of the computer all day. And I said, well, why don't you behave as if you're in the office? Why don't you behave? You know, you know, you have a 15 minute break. That's when you take your snack. You have a half hour, one hour lunch. That's when maybe you can take a walk. And you have another 15 minutes by law in the afternoon or 20 minutes. Take that time to maybe to sit and breathe. I'm saying this to her. And, she, and I knew she was going to do this. She quickly responded and she said, well, girl, I cannot take the, the hour, the half hour to go for a walk because, because, because. And it's either it's too cold or it's too hot. Or it's, and I'm listening to her and I said, well, what would you want from me? <laughs> So I, yeah, like, what do you really want? Yeah. Are you going to pay me for this? And I said that to her. And I tend to say that a lot to, to people who get on my nerves like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I pay me for that, you know. So at the end of it, she said, you know, I hear you, but I don't know if I can walk because my knees are, the bone in my knees, they are rubbing. And I don't know, I, I'm in the fridge all the time, eating throughout the day. So she's getting bigger and bigger. And I basically said, well, you tell me what you would like to do to lose your weight. And I said, the next time we talk, come with a plan. You tell me because I can tell you. So sometimes we force things on people. We pretend we know it all and we tend to give suggestions. They don't really want that. They just want to be miserable. <laughs> they just want fine. And yeah. they just want to connect with you. And that might be the only way they know how. Yeah. Yeah, they want to justify and rationalize what they're doing and they want you to hear it. They don't want you to fix it. Yeah. And I know yeah. I'm like Roz too. I, uh, I want to fix everybody. And it was funny, my sister said recently, you can't save everybody. Yeah. And it was kind of, it kind of hit me because, you know, strangers on the street, they got an issue. I'm there. I can help you. Don't you know? I can help everybody. Don't you know? Because I'm strong and right. I yeah. got it all together. And it was just like, wow, yeah, you're right. So I started just letting go and taking a big step back some people yeah. and they have to take more responsibility for their own well-being well, yes, yes. Yeah. there's much information out there now too and it's easily accessible on the internet you can go anywhere to get information you pick because you're big girl you got to put your big girl pants on right and get informed 
Yeah. That, just like she said, you know, you think you can fix everyone. But I think that we have, people need to understand that you owe it to yourself to take care of yourself. Yeah. Because you're not going to be any good to your children, to your, to your mate, to your, to your friends, to your coworkers if you're not good. If you're not taking the onus um, to take care of yourself. And yeah. I, I, I hear people say, time, I don't have the time. But then if something happens to you, you would have to make that time. So why not make the time now before it gets too intense, it gets too late and you're unable to? You know, the, 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 the time, the word time, we, we have the time, we have to prioritize our priorities. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the conversation. That's a, a, it's a really deep conversation. So I you out to Mia to bring her voice to, to say what is going on in her mind as she's listening to, to us talk about leadership, talk about self-care, talk about um, ownership and finding time and making time to self-care. Any thoughts that come up with you as you sit listening to us? Can you hear us, Avita? I didn't hear the first part of what you said. Yes. I said I would engage Mia now, who's Mia. been listening to the conversation. Yeah, okay. And she can speak to anything she wishes to speak to. But what, what have you been hearing, Mia? What, what did you get from what is going on around you right now? Well, what I hear is women that are in a place where they can speak and share their experience. I'm learning that... Um, so what basically what I've been doing is I, I do some yoga, I do some meditation, I go for walks, and then I feel really guilty because I have a dog at home. And I feel like I've left him unattended and I feel like he's not, he's probably sad because I go to the office and he's by himself. But when I hear you guys, it just makes me feel like if I don't take care of myself, how am I going to take care of him? And it's just reassuring that I'm not doing something that's not right. I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing by taking care of myself. I know that we have challenges. We all have challenges in our lives when we make attempt to self-care personally. I also do know that sometimes we women, because I hear it from women, I, I can always talk about women because I've been serving women for the last 44 years. And women and, and women and girls primarily from my private practice to everything I do is about women and girls. And I hear it from women. I, I often hear women feeling and thinking that if they do something for themselves, they end up feeling really, 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 really guilty. Mm -hmm. And this guilt, and I heard it coming from you as well, Mia, that the guilt you feel in your dog. Now, I remember when I was a young nurse in the 70s, I had my first child in 1980. And I worked as a nurse while I'm going to school during the day. And I've always been into myself, always. Um, <laughs> Sometimes more than others, but always. <laughs> I remember my son was about three years old and he wanted to learn to ski. And those were the times where you engage in your young children in swimming and all the things to get rid of them. Not so much to give them. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much to give them experiences, but to get rid of them for the hour. 
to somebody's going to pay whatever, let them go learn to swim. So my son wanted to ski. And there was a ski group that went up to the hills. A bus would come each Saturday morning for the whole winter season. So the bus would come, pick up the kids. The young kids were about three and four. They were young kids, so pre-kindergarten kids. And you pay a lot of money. And they would take your kids to the, to the slopes and they would teach them to ski, give them their lunches, but you pay for that. And it's like a daycare for the day. And my son was registered in that. And I remember going to the hospital and telling, being happy that Atiba is now skiing at the age of three and he's a master skier. And one of the nurses said this to me. She said, Roz, why are you so cruel? to put your three, your four-year-old child out there in the cold to ski all day. Mm. And, and I was taken aback by that and I would always remember that and I would always use that, that moment. Now, what was happening with that, Atiyah was the happiest little, little almost four-year-old child. He looked forward to go skiing. He looked forward to get on the school bus with the other four-year-olds. He looked forward to have his lunch done. He looked forward when you pick him up to run to you and say, Mom, I did this and that. Atiyah was having a, he was having a ball. But the, the judges were seeing that as being very cruel. My son was not cold. He was cared for. He we paid big money for him to get to this program. And when he would go skiing, that was the time for me to do things for me. You know, because I had another baby right after and she was, you know, so it made my life easy and I was doing some, at least two hours of that Saturday for me. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of experiences that we women have when we try to find time for ourselves. Mm-hmm. The judges mm-hmm. would call you, go as fast call you curl, mm-hmm. or go as fast call you all the names. And, mm-hmm. and even today, where, mm-hmm. whatever position you all are in, you would get that. You know, you know, I've been called narcissistic. I'm the least narcissistic person because I'm the most generous woman that I know, you know, because I'm into self-care. Mm. I mean, I'm into being able to say no. I'm into mm. being able to say, I love you. I'll do everything I can, but not now. Um, what about tomorrow at five? Because right now I really need to sit and breathe, you know, or right now I really need to go for a walk by myself. Yes. So, so it's, it's, it's a challenge that we have and we have to break down these obstacles and to be able to achieve what we need to achieve so we can stay well and we can have a long life and we can feel good when we care for others and we don't yeah. feel these yeah. on, a, on a positive note, bringing it more current and when we talk with young women, uh, again, I don't know if you're following the Olympics at all, but as Simone Biles, who's like arguably the best gymnast in the history of yeah. gymnastics, and she withdrew from the competition to manage her mental health. Mm-hmm. And my yeah. first reaction was like, what? And my second yeah. was, yes, you go yeah. girl. That, like, that would have been unheard of. Like for on yeah. the world stage, the whole world is watching. She's an American, so much pressure. She thought, I'm not doing it, I'm stepping back. But she came back out onto the floor to cheer on and other members of her team. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, wow, I hope this is a sign of the times that, you know, we've got to that women. I mean, unfortunately, I had to get to that point. It's a little bit different. She's an elite athlete. But to be able to step back at that age on that platform in front of the world 
yeah. so much respect for her. It's going to be interesting to see if, and or not if, I'm sure there will be some fallout. There will be those who yeah, criticize her, yeah. right? But I admire and respect her for doing that. So there's a classic <laughs> example of a young woman saying, I can't do this right now because if I do, I'm going to break. And I'm, I don't want to break. There's no. a huge... There's a huge issue right now. Like if you're following Oprah, I idolize Oprah. I think she's just an incredible being and, and what she represents. So with her health message with, uh, is it Harry, Prince, Prince Harry, not Prince oh, anymore, yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, you know, the me you cannot see. I, I just saw Oprah quickly on uh, some talk show and, and really her message is, She's trying to normalize mental health issues. And I, it, it is so overdue and, and we need it so badly because I don't know if it's, I read about the woman, the, the athlete you're talking about. And I think it's because there has been in the last few years with the Bell Telephone and, and the National Mental Health Day and we're bringing it to the surface that it exists and 80% of the population struggles yeah. with some form of health, mental health issue. And mm -hmm. I'm going to get a little personal here, but my father had committed suicide 30 years ago. And it was the biggest shame because mm -hmm. at that point you couldn't tell someone Mm -hmm. uh, why he died. He died, you know, and he was struggling with mental health, health issues. I didn't even know how deep it was. He was on Oxycontin, which I didn't even know was addictive. So mm -hmm. I, I, I say that because 30 years ago was a different world. And now, yes, Oxycontin has huge ramifications. It's addictive. Yes, people who have mental health issues, if you don't get the right help, will commit suicide. And it's, I'm so grateful to Oprah bringing this forum to a normalness. And what I loved on the talk show, what she said is, I want people to go to a cocktail party or be sitting at a bar and somebody says, you know what, I have mental health issues. Hey! Me too. So do I. And make it like, okay, we're in this together. That was not happening before. And that is what we need to do. And it's, it's with so many other issues, but it takes somebody to put a spotlight on these kinds of things. And I really think that this athlete may have heard it's okay that she will yeah. be a leader and, and she's going to give others permission. I, I don't think that there's going to be the fallout. I think she's going to receive some accolades and put it to a whole other level. And well, then started with the, with the tennis player, Osaka. Yeah. The Japanese, the yeah. black tennis player. She right. took a position and I think she got a lot of support because people are, I mean, just to say to someone, 20 years ago, I've seen a therapist. Yes. Almost unheard of. You're crazy. It's mental health. I remember my aunt in Washington sending my brother to Montreal to make sure I was okay because I was seeing a therapist. <laughs> right. You know, like, is Russ going crazy? Is she had a mental breakdown? And for me, seeing a therapist for me at that time, I, clearly I had to see a therapist because I was 
going into psychoanalysis and you have to have three years of psychotherapy before you become a psychoanalyst. So I was doing my thing into my pathway to my career, but it was something that made me and helped me see the sides of me that you don't normally see or wouldn't even yeah. figure out this thing. And to mm-hmm. be able to, to build that side of me and be strong and to be who I am today, I don't know if I could have done it without that support of that four or five years on the couch. But that was my way of doing things. But when someone, if someone would hear that, they would say, oh my God, she had a mental breakdown. Oh, and so it was, uh, it was, uh, it, and it still is. I believe that every single person should have a therapist. And your therapist doesn't have to be someone in an office saying your time is up. I say to people, your therapist can be someone, just one person in your life that you love and trust completely, who would contain your information and just, just listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and, listen. And you know, Dr. Ross, in, yeah. in, my, in my little space, in my environment, where we work, um, there are grown men and women much, much, much older than me. And we have the, in, in my job, we have the option to see a therapist. It, it's charged. It's paid for. You can you can make that phone call without anybody knowing that um, you're you're doing that. And a lot of people sometimes when because I I, I like to talk, <laughs> and I would be like, we have the options. Why are you guys not utilizing these things? You know, because I am first in the line. I I want to talk to somebody. I'm ready to talk to somebody. I am there. It's being paid for. It's I don't have to find them too hard. I make a phone call and I'm, and it's okay. And you know, grown men and women, mature, or much much older than me, ready to retire into that stage, and they have so many things bottled up. And saying, of course, in in Trinidad here, I'm going to a therapist is nowhere close to saying that I'm going to a therapist in Canada, I'm going to a therapist in, in, in America, because we're still living in that era where, what, a therapist? Are you crazy? She's gone crazy. Well, I, I had to be the craziest person because I always be a therapist because I, I like to feel like I, I let stuff go and I'm moving on. But a lot of people, um, they don't. They're still living in that, you're crazy. They attach crazy to therapy, yeah. and when I, when I did my therapy, when I when I separated from my husband and I needed therapy, and the therapist said, "Do you need a man?" I said, "No, this is not for him. No, this therapy was... is for me." Yeah, you know, and I but... felt so liberated to say that this is not yeah. about him. <laughs> so we have maybe we have to change the title. I think we have to put a different spin on the marketing because. Even the word mental health, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 it just sounds like a stigma. And, you know, being in cosmetics, it really is all marketing. It, it's if you give it a pretty name and make it smell good, everybody's going to want it. But you have to change the appearance of it and you need yeah. to, to make it. So it, I remember Dr. Phil had said something like um, you just need when you were saying about the person that you love. You need a soft place to land, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I call Rick, my husband, my pillow. He's my soft place mm-hmm. to land. I know that where, whatever I come home to tell him, it, he will embrace me with it. And, and 
We all need that soft space, whether it's a therapist or a mother or father or husband or best friend, sister. But there's, I think it's the wording that we have to change because it has such a negative connotation. And, mm. and, and it's by leading by example. You know, just like you were saying, Alicia, that if, if you want to see a therapist, you, if you just change the name, I think uh, people are watching you and seeing that you're, you're setting this example and others will follow because you're giving them permission. They're going to see mm. this strong, powerful woman who is this incredible role model. And, and, and that's how we lead the way, I think. Mm. So because we have about two minutes left to our time, and that's how fast time goes, yeah. and what a wonderful session you've had. I want to close, and I'm going to give each person an opportunity to, to bring, bring in some closing remarks. But I want to say this. When we talk about um, self-care, we often don't talk enough about the emotional well-being. And that is where the therapist and the, the, this conversation comes off. Just imagine how you feel when you vomit. I recently vomited when I had a broken um, injury, when I had an injury and took a painkiller and I had to vomit all that stuff up. And after my vomiting, my physical vomit, I felt, oh gosh, re re relief. Imagine what it feels like when you have a physical vomit. So when you do an emotional vomit, just imagine how it feels. And that's what therapy is about, mm. an emotional vomit. Your therapist don't have to say, or your friend or whoever, your cousin, but a person you trust completely. They don't have to say a word to you. You just need to vomit. Tori, your final thoughts. Oh, well, I have so many. Um, well, I, this the first thing that jumped out to me is I realized, even in this short time, how I look forward to meeting with this group, hearing your thoughts and your opinions. It's a small group, so a little bit of diversity, which is a good thing, <laughs> right? Especially, Alicia, you coming from the Caribbean, I think that's so cool that you're making time. I know it's so much different there. And again, like I said, I just feel so privileged to be able to live the life that I can live and that I have been and continue to be um, a role model. And, and Vicha, when you were talking, you mentioned about Oprah and I was thinking, because so many men are in leadership roles, right? They're the prime ministers, the high school principals, the doctors, that's changed, yes. But still, there hasn't been historically a lot of role models for women. So we pick people like Oprah, who's a TV celebrity, who is quite a remarkable human being. Or when you meet somebody like Roz, who is also, but how many people encounter her? Well, lots, but that's another story, <laughs> right? So we don't have enough role models. So the more we speak out, you don't have to be a big TV celebrity to be a role model. You can just be anyone. And if you speak out and you have the confidence within yourself and the self-worth to feel that what you have to say is worthy and you speak out, you don't know the impact that's going to have on another woman. If you can remember something you've heard years ago and it's stuck with you, right? And words are powerful and we are powerful. And sometimes we don't know how friggin' powerful we really are. When we come together, we unite and we speak, we speak out, right? So I guess for me, um, know that you have inherent power just by being a woman, just by virtue of the fact that you're a woman, you have power, you need to hone it, cultivate it, 
get support like from this kind of a group and anywhere else and just spread that power to young to young women and old women too, whoever. <laughs> Anyone who's your way. How would you close for us, Vita? It's, it's interesting because I had a, an interview last week with uh, someone who was asking me, because I was saying this is the second chapter in my life. And I think I, I'm, uh, this is going to be the best part of my life. I, I just feel there's the boundaries are, are coming down and now I'm just doing things because I can and, and saying and feeling. And we were talking about role models and 15 years ago, when I was looking for a role model, um, you know, in my 45-ish years trying to go, well, what's the next 30 years going to look like? It was pretty sketchy looking for, that's why I say Oprah, because at that time, really a strong woman uh, who talked about all issues, they, it was hard to find. So we were talking about role models and I said, I came across the Zoomer magazine and there was a, an image of Mae Musk, who, who at the time was 57 or 62, and she's now 72. So the numbers may not make sense, but it was, it was a while ago. And she was just this, this more mature, brave woman on the cover of a magazine, not plump, not filled, just looking like her, just a beautiful silver-haired fox. And I remember just going, wow. There's an option. It doesn't have to be that you either, you know, you get plumped or filled or, or whatever and get the surgery to try and look like you're 40. But the option was you can rock it at 57 or 62 and, and have this incredible life. And seeing that image changed the whole game for me. And I think that's why I'm here because I just saw a visual picture of what my future could be. And I'm not talking about the physicality. I'm talking about she's a dietitian. Mm. She was modeling. She gave, she had a, an incredible family, Elon Musk. I think we've all heard about him. That's her son. Like just this powerful woman who's just got it all together. That gave me my second round. I'm going, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. And it's there again, it's role models setting by example. We have to carry each other and so show each other that the best is yet to come. And we got this. We yes, got it. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Closure to our session, our um, session two, season one, episode two. Can't touch this, can't touch this